This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington here on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us today. My name is Walker Wildman. I'm your host here. Don't forget to check out our website, AEFR.net. AEFR.net. You can go there to our website. And not only can you listen live, but you can catch my podcast. Just click on the podcast link and then find the Exposing Washington podcast, and uh, you can listen to the show at your own convenience. Also, we have the app. It's a great way to listen as well, the AFR app. So just go to your app store. It's free. Just type in AFR in your app store, or you can type in American Family Radio and download our free app and listen live and also catch my podcast there. The last thing I'll remind you to do is to um, catch, uh, go to my podcast in your podcast store, whether you have an Apple or an Android device, If you type in Exposing Washington in the podcast store, you can subscribe to the podcast each week, and uh, you'll have it downloaded right there and uh, in your podcast store for free. Jumping right into the news, we had the presidential inauguration this past week where President Trump transferred power to um, now President Joe Biden. And it was a very different inauguration compared to years past because of the fact that not not only did you have some 25,000 National Guard troops in Washington, D.C., but you also had virtually no participants Virtually no um, observers, if you will. The public wasn't allowed to go to the inauguration. So you had this bizarre dynamic, which was really, it did not look good for our country. And they, it was overdone, to put it mildly, and that's not even really a good word to describe it, but There were many people questioning why you need 25,000 National Guard troops in Washington, D.C. And I get they don't want what happened at the Capitol a couple weeks ago to happen at the inauguration. I get that. But 25,000 National Guard troops with weapons brandished in our nation's capital was not a good look for America. But nonetheless, the 
inauguration took place this past Wednesday on January 20th. And President Biden has wasted no time undermining America's policies that were put in by the Trump administration, so we'll talk about that. But before we do, I want to remind you that, and remind us all, even myself, how much good President Trump, how much good he did under the four years of the Trump administration, how much, how many good policies were put forth and implemented under President Trump's leadership. I mean, some say President Trump was the best president since Ronald Reagan. Some even say President Trump was better than Ronald Reagan when it comes to policy achievements. But no doubt, President Trump made his mark on America and will be remembered, at least by those of us who don't try to rewrite history, will be remembered as one of the greatest presidents in American history. And what particularly makes President Trump stand out is the fact that he took on the status quo. He took on basically all of Washington, D.C. And just looking at, let's just keep it at the flyover level. When you look at President Trump's policies, his economic policies that brought economic prosperity to all Americans or at least the possibility for economic prosperity. When you look at religious liberty, all the things that that the Trump administration did to protect people of faith, not only in America but all over the world, President Trump took on Our adversaries, what past administrations refused to do, President Trump did. He stood up to the communist governments across the the world that have been intimidating. He took on the Iranians. And so President Trump did some very, very good things for our country. Much of it will be lasting, the impact. And so we don't need to let the last few weeks overshadow or cause us to forget all the good that President Trump did. So I'll post this. uh, There's actually an article my father wrote in our our monthly magazine, the AFA Journal, and I'll post a link to this uh, latest article written by my father, Tim Wildman, about um, all of the good that President Trump did for our country. Jumping into the news of the week, you know, the vaccine distribution has been a, a conversation the past few weeks as far as how that's taking place. Much of, much, virtually all of the planning for the vaccine distribution across the country regarding COVID was done by the Trump administration. Operation Warp Speed. And what we've seen now in recent weeks is that now that the vaccine is being distributed to various states, some states are having trouble um, carrying out the distribution within their own states, within their own state. 
And some states are pointing the finger back at the federal government, but what we've seen here, and the former HHS Health and Human Services Secretary, Alex Azar, President Trump's former HHS secretary, he pointed to this. The problem with the vaccine distribution is not at the federal government level because the federal government is getting millions of doses into the hands of states. But what is, what is, what is being shown is that states, they either, number one, were not properly prepared for massive statewide distribution of the vaccine. That's the first problem. Number two, many of them are trying to micromanage the distribution. And so we have... Traditionally, the way the flu vaccine and other things have worked is the all the pharmacies and the health clinics and the hospitals, traditionally, they're the ones that, that administer the vaccines or the shots. And now we have the government stepping in, in many cases, the National Guard and the each, each state's health department stepping in, trying to micromanage the distribution and the administering of the COVID vaccine. Now, in some cases, the National Guard might work well in a certain state. But what we're seeing is, at least on this initial rollout, is the states are pretty much relying solely on the National Guard and the health department to administer, to distribute and administer these shots. And many states are completely leaving out the private sector, at least your traditional pharmacies like Kroger and Walgreens and CVS and so on and so forth. And so the, the, the point that, that the former HHS secretary made, Alex Azar, he just called on states to stop micromanaging the distribution and the administering of the COVID vaccine and instead let the private sector step in and do what the private sector does best, which is provide services. And so we'll keep an eye on that over the next few months. But this, this, this rollout has been hampered pretty heavily by uh, the states just not being properly prepared and set up to distribute and administer millions and millions of vaccines in a short period of time. Jumping into a couple other topics, you know, we have this, this battle with well, it's not really much of a battle anymore, but we saw where Amazon uh, Amazon cut off Parler. So Parler, the, the basically the competitor to Facebook and Twitter, the conservative alternative platform, Parler, they had their website cut off. Their website is down. Their platform is down. They've been down for a couple weeks now. And many people are still talking 
about Section 230 and how we can change the laws to go after Facebook and Twitter and Google and these monopolies. And who knows if that'll ever happen now, especially since President Trump is no longer in the White House. But I think another conversation that needs to be had is creating and continuing to foster alternative platforms. Because really, if we have competition, if we have alternative platforms, then is there really a need to continue focusing and spending all of our time going after Facebook, Twitter, and Google? Or can we just continue to encourage everyone who likes the First Amendment to continue migrating to platforms such as Parler, such as Gab.com, and other platforms that respect the First Amendment. And so I would encourage all conservatives who are still focused on this topic to not just focus all of their attention on basically something that could never happen, which is amending Section 230 to be able to sue big companies like Facebook and Twitter. And instead, to be able to begin focusing equal attention towards simply creating alternative platforms, alternative networks. And we see this taking place with Newsmax, with One America News Network. You see it with American Family Radio, where there are alternative outlets that are providing news and information other than your traditional mainstream media outlets. One clip I want to play um, is the, 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 the rhetoric that we see taking place, and we've seen it going on the past few weeks. Really, it's, it's, this rhetoric has been amped up since President Trump uh, rode down the escalator in uh, Trump Tower. This, this really hateful rhetoric towards President Trump, and really now not just President Trump, really anyone who thinks like him, um, conservatives, Republicans. And so this past week, we saw Michael Moore on CNN getting pretty nasty, if you will, when it comes to what should be done to people who support President Trump, people who believe in conservative values. Let's listen to clip two. This is Michael Moore talking about what to do with President Trump and his supporters. These are seditionists. They have a sedition caucus. They have to be they have to be brought up and, and they have to answer for what they did. But they've got to start right now by t- by taking the head off the snake. And that was Donald J. Trump. He has to answer for his actions or or we will see more uh, uh, insurrections in the years to come because they'll say, well, look at what happened. Nothing. Nothing happened. Yeah. Something has to happen to yeah. all the Republicans who participated in this. And 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 I just I think that if, if the Democrats will be strong and if that, you know, this if their idea of reaching across the aisle, the only reaching we're the victims of Trump, this whole our whole society, the only reaching that should be done is by the Republicans reaching across. If they want unity, here's a way to have unity. Well, that's, a point, Republicans that's a point to pause join on with the Democrats. Well, there you have it. Michael Moore there. First off, he started off saying 
We need to cut the head off the snake, and guess who the snake is? Trump. Then he goes on to say there, there should be no unity. The only unity should be Republicans kowtowing to Democrats, which isn't that always the case. Do you see that here? Nobody ever calls for the Democrats to kowtow and unify with the Republicans. Instead, it always has to be the Republicans unifying and partnering with the Democrats in their evil schemes. It is literally a one-way street. Republicans always partner with the Democrats to do what the Democrats want to do. Never, and I mean never, do you see Democrats partnering with Republicans and conservatives to do what conservatives want to do. Do you recall any Democrats supporting President Trump's Supreme Court nominees? Can you imagine if 10 Democrat Democratic senators would have voted for, for, for Brett Kavanaugh or for Amy Coney Barrett? The left would have gone ballistic because we can't do that, right? They have to stay unified. So not only are the Democrats still wanting to impeach former President Donald Trump, which some argue isn't even legal to, to invoke a non-sitting president. The impeachment clause of the U.S. Constitution was solely intended to be used on an acting and sitting president. So not only are they still harping on their Trump hatred, but they're also wanting to lump in all people who think similar to Donald Trump, you know, those conservatives, and they're wanting to begin labeling us domestic terrorists. Let's listen to clip four. This is a CNN commentator talking about how domestic terrorists, a.k.a. conservatives, have no place on the public, public airwaves. Let's listen to clip four. The moment Fox introduced any kind of realism into their reporting, immediately a bunch of people chose to put themselves into a sealed ecosystem. And they can do that both on cable, they can do it online. Um, and that becomes a, a huge challenge of figuring out how do you bring those people back into the mainstream of fact-based reporting and try to get us all back into the, the same consensual reality. And can you? Is that possible? Seems like that's an open question. It's hard. I mean, I think we got to do a couple things. One, there needs to be a, a, an intentional work by the social media companies collaborating together to work on violent extremism in the same way they worked on ISIS. I was, when I started at Facebook in 2015, the number one challenge from a content perspective was the abuse of social media by the Islamic State. Um, and there was a, a collaboration between the tech companies and between the tech companies and law enforcement to make it impossible for them to use the internet to recruit and radicalize young mostly young Muslim men at the time around the world. Now we're talking about domestic audience in the United States. And 
the challenge is going to be partially that you know, ISIS did not have a domestic constituency in the United States Congress. But there is over half of the Republicans in Congress voted to overturn the election. Um, and there will be a continual political pressure on the, yeah. the companies to not take it seriously. So I think first, you mm. have to focus on those violent extremists and those companies have to be brave in that way. And second, we have to turn down the capability of these conservative influencers to reach these huge audiences. Okay, so that was a lot of information there. But basically, here's what you have. This is a, it's a CNN commentator on national television saying that Facebook and Twitter and Google and all the other behemoths, all the other monopoly uh, companies, that they should treat conservatives just like they treated ISIS back during Obama's administration. Conservatives should be treated as domestic terrorists. And then he goes on to say that basically anyone who challenges the status quo, and in this case, anyone who challenged the election, the alleged election results in the various states, anyone who raised questions about the integrity of those elections, they are domestic terrorists and they should be taken off any and all platforms. And the reason so many people left Fox News is because Fox News began to make an embarrassment of themselves. Because they began, Fox News began pushing the same old left-wing rhetoric pretty much the, on election night. On election night, Fox News made various decisions that, that tarnished their credibility. For example, just two things Fox News called Arizona before any other network. And they ended up being right two weeks later. But Fox News did not know the results coming out of Arizona that soon. No one knew, which is why it took Arizona a week to figure out what the results were. Number two... Fox News called the, the U.S. House of Representatives to stay in control uh, of the Democrats before election night was even over. We, were not, we weren't even an hour into election night coverage, and Fox News said that the House of Representatives will, will, will stay in the hands in control of, uh, of the Democrats. And as it turns out, the House... Break, the breakdown of the House of Representatives is actually very close. Nancy Pelosi only has the House of Representatives by like a handful of votes, a handful of, of, of representatives. So that's why people fled Fox News, and Fox News continues to have horrible ratings compared to what they had just a year ago. And so we're going to con continue to see this amped-up rhetoric and this is, this is the fundamental difference between 
Republicans and Democrats, between conservatives and liberals. This is the fundamental difference. And the difference is this. Conservatives believe, for the most part, at least everyone I talk to, the consensus amongst Republicans and conservatives is that everyone in society should have their voice heard. They should have their opinion and their viewpoint heard. And then after a debating of viewpoints, then you vote and then one side wins and one side loses. And whether you're talking about an election or passing legislation, um, that's how America traditionally works. But what the Democrats want to do is they want to eliminate debate. They want to eliminate conversation. They don't want political and ideological debate, which is what America is fundamentally set up to do, is to have debates on ideas. And with hope, with the hope of good ideas win and bad ideas lose. But the modern-day Democrat Party is bent towards totalitarianism. They don't want conversation. They don't want debate. They actually don't want voting to a certain extent, which is why they use the administrative state to implement the vast majority of their agenda, and they use the judicial branch. But that's the fundamental difference. So what you're going to see over the next four years is a continued campaign, a continued assault on the First Amendment and a continued assault on anyone who dares to disagree with what the Democrats say. And that, my friends, is not America. And that has been one of the chief complaints against Democrats is that they shut down debate. They don't allow room for debate. And so that's what we're going to see here over the next four years is the demonization of anyone, everyone, who refuses to think like them. But I think the good thing that we're going to see here is that conservatives are going to create alternative, basically an alternative ecosystem where conservatives can operate. Whether it be web hosting platforms, whether it be payment processors, whether it be social media platforms. There is a huge market out there to host freedom-loving Americans because Facebook and Google and YouTube and all these other companies have told half of America that you're just not welcome in society. So conservatives have to find somewhere else to go, and I think they will. And that may end up being the biggest mistake that the corporatist elites made. 
is pushing conservatives to create their own ecosystem. Exposing Washington American Family Radio. We'll be back next week. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.